0: Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Yellow, And Jehu. Hugh. <coughs> back again uh, with kind of a quasi-sequel. We've done biopics before, but now we're pitching biopics. Do right. we
1: do, do, we do bi- biopics? or wait, Hang on. Actually, this is the first thing you get out of the way. Is it biopic or biopic?
0: I think both are acceptable. I,
2: think, I, I, think I say biopic, biopic is correct, but biopic is probably more what we're talking
0: about. See, I think
1: know? I think biopic is correct, but it just sounds annoying to say it that way.
0: Right. I actually think biopic is like an actual word and biopic is movie pictures about people. Uh, I may be mistaken there, but I've always considered when you say biopic, you're referring to a movie about an individual but i guess biopic also works
1: i think that's going to make me look this shit up that's okay we all have access to the internet all the time
0: i don't believe in the internet it's
1: yeah how do i look it
0: up do i look it up (laughs) biopic versus biopic which is it you
1: know what the the, the very first the very the very first google result has it for the pronunciation as biopic so hard to argue with google but i'm gonna argue with google i think it's wrong (laughs) i say biopic (laughs)
2: See, I think like, you know, like the Gandhi movie is a biopic. Uh, walk walk the line, that's a biopic.
0: Fair enough.
1: Oh, Jesus. Now we're going to have to determine that after all of our pitches. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I yeah, only what... have
2: biopic pitches.
1: Oh, good. Uh, as you mentioned, Christian, I think we did uh, music biopics specifically. Yep. But in this instance, we're going for, uh, we're expanding our scope and uh, talking about people or groups that we think would make interesting biopics that haven't been made yet.
0: True. I did music and non-music in my selection of people. I
1: got really intimidated about doing music ones because you guys are on this podcast.
0: So my, I figured what was going to happen was I would do both. Joseph would do none. Jay Hugh would do only.
2: <laughs> Actually, you're wrong. I have, I have, a, I have a music I have a, and I have two non-music. Wow. Oh, I'm so surprised.
0: I have four and three of four music. No, that's not true. I have five, two are music, three are not. Well, do you want to
1: kick us off with one of your uh, favorite music ones?
0: Sure. Uh, Let's see. Of my three, which is the one I want to start with? I'm going to go in Chuck Mangione, mostly (laughs) because how does a guy write a top 10 record playing the flugelhorn? I don't know, but he did it. (laughs) And uh, I'd be curious to see how that happened. Uh, obvious name for my movie is Feel So Good, because, again, it's the only song you know that features Definitely. a flugelhorn. horn. Uh, my fan cast is Mark Ruffalo, because <laughs> I feel like he looks like that guy. Fair um, enough. But mostly I just want to know, like, yeah, he's from Brooklyn, New York, grew up playing jazz music, features in a lot of different... Uh, big jazz artist in the, the 60s and early 70s. Um, I just want to know how he convinces someone to say, hey, I'm going to make a, <laughs> a track record. Or, you know, I'm going to make a jazz record um, and then gets it on like pop radio and becomes pretty famous all across the world. I mean, again, everyone knows the song feels so good. So, um, yeah, Chuck Mangione, that's my first pitch. First,
1: first that's-
2: of all, I'm, just, I'm ready to quit because that one's the best one. Let's just podcast over. I fucking <laughs> love that one. Second of all, I, I love Chuck Mangione because I'm convinced he convinced he created the weirdest genre of music and the, not even the weirdest, the most specific. And that is music that played at Kmart.
0: Interesting.
2: Because <laughs> Kmart, you know, for the 70s and the 80s had their own like House music that they made that was basically all instrumentals of pop songs and it all sounded like Feel So Good. And you also yeah. heard Feel So Good a lot in Kmart. I never hear that song and don't want to buy a transformer. Like as soon as I hear it, <laughs> it, it's like, man, I need to buy a fucking transformer right now. So yeah, I love this one.
0: I'm pretty sure my dad saw Chuck at the Sanger in Mobile in like 1978. So <laughs> I also, I had he had a comeback
2: the in the t- '90s in King on King of the Hill.
0: Did not know that.
2: Yeah, he he's
1: featured in a few episodes of King of the Hill. Yeah, so that's my the, first one. Is the Go follow ahead, is the follow up logic to your uh, Chuck Vigione biopic that at some point we have to have like a Kenny G biopic?
0: Oh, see, it's different though. I feel like the saxophone is much more widely accepted. Number one, it's one letter off from saxophone. <laughs> right. Number two. It, it, it's just something a lot of kids play. But like I would say 3% of trumpet players learn how to play the flugelhorn and 99.8% of people don't even know what a flugelhorn I was about is. I say I
1: would say less than 1% of people could pick a flugelhorn out of a lineup. Correct. Also,
2: I would say that the Kenny G had almost the opposite effect because rock songs used to feature saxophones prominently. And I think the reason that went out of fashion was because of the backlash against Kenny G. Also true. Fair enough.
1: So that's your first one? Yep. All right. Uh, my first one, and probably my, the one I, I feel best about that I think needs to happen. I'm a big fan of your oh, social yeah. networks and your jobs, where it's about, you know, kind of about these modern quote unquote visionaries. And, uh, you know, once you kind of peel back the curtain on their life, they're kind of just selfish assholes who's the combination of their own greed. And the brutal, but beneficially brutal nature of a capitalist society allows them to succeed on the backs of their own terribleness. So the next person I think that's very logically in line for this is Elon Musk.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, I don't, I don't really give a fuck about about his, his personal life, but he was actually like born in South Africa and had like kind of a childhood story. You know, he came to America, started his own software con- company, which, to be fair, credit to him versus Steve Jobs. Elon Musk can't actually program. Uh, so, you know, that's a plus. But, you right. know, mostly I want to get into the, the shit uh, beyond that, where they just kind of turn into these charismatic pop culture figures that are more, uh, more words and ideas than they are actual practice. Uh, and, you know, obviously we, we at some point in the third act have him smoking weed with Joe Rogan or a Joe Rogan substitute <laughs> in, the, uh, in the movie. But, you know, it's, it's one of those movies where the bad guy wins. Even in even the social network, the bad guy kind of loses a little bit because you find out that he's sad. Uh, <laughs> he but uh, I want I want this one to be, you know, Elon Musk's, you know, succeeds at exactly what he wants to be. He's just a famous rich asshole. Uh, I've
2: told you guys that I believe that the social network has the wrong ending, right? I don't
1: think we've talked about this.
2: The social network has the wrong ending. The wrong ending the social network. I mean, the, the ending of the social network should not be... That we find out he's sad because nobody, you know, because he's an asshole and nobody likes him. The correct ending to it is Farmville. <laughs> mm, yeah, because he, he the whole time he was trying to build something elite that everyone would want to come to. But Farmville's really the entrance for everybody's fucking aunt and uncle that turned it into basically just Walmart on the Internet, like something just anybody
1: can fucking do. And it doesn't matter.
0: I like that. Man, I played
1: a shit ton of Farmville back in the day. I had a real <laughs> hey, big I'm, farm on Farmville. This is not a diss on Farmville. Farmville's fine. I'm just yeah, saying. no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just. You've you've made me nostalgic for my farm. <laughs> I used it to reconnect with uh, my my high school history teacher, who now turns out to be a racist. But you know what? It was uh, it was a nice time at the time. That's
2: that's what's fucking awful about the internet. People you should just never know are awful people. You get to find
1: out. Hundred percent.
0: Who would play Elon Musk?
1: So the correct answer here is Bern Gorman, like without oh, a doubt. Oh God, it's so good! <laughs> it's it's perfect. But I don't think that he's got the necessary star power. As far as people that I think could be cast, and I, like if Regina still listens to this podcast, like she's gonna be so mad at me for fucking saying this. Uh, but I think the correct person is Remy Malik. He's got yeah. the uh, he's got the right kind of. Uh, Weird but overconfident energy and strange shape of face, I think, <laughs> to, uh, to cover the Elon Musk bases. So, I uh, Remy Malik is my first choice. Uh, I really, uh, you know, after Burn Gorman, which, again, is not going to happen.
0: That's good. I would say one thing that you were dead on about this, whether, you know, Fincher realizes this or not, Elon Musk absolutely should be the subject of the social network, too, if they were to make it.
1: Oh, like- no, for sure. And I love these movies. I love I love watching this, hating these people. You know, that's yeah. It makes me feel better on the the
0: nihilist now. in me really like just
1: yeah. There's something about absorbs
0: it absorbs it up.
1: Yeah. So I'm super jazzed about this, so I can have conversations with my friends about what a piece of shit Elon Musk is, which I already do, but I want to do it after the movie. Who's cool. gonna play Grimes in it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably just Grimes. It I could mean, be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: the thing is, I feel like Elon Musk. Has his head up his ass far enough that if you were making a shitty movie about Elon Musk, Elon Musk would want to star in it. It's possible, but I wouldn't watch that. I wouldn't watch that either. But I'm saying, even if it was a hatchet job, yeah. he would want to star in the hatchet job.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jehu, what's your first one?
2: Well, I won't spend too long on my first one because I kind of already talked about it a couple weeks ago. And I also talked about this for four straight weeks. But, uh, you know, I read a book called Van Halen Rising. It's part of a few van hillen books i read but the whole time i was reading this i i kept thinking i don't even think it should be a biop i think it should be a series Mm. along the lines of the people versus oj simpson like the whole time i was reading this i was like man every one of these chapters is an episode and it really you know each one has its own sort of sort of like theme and escalation it starts with them You know, it starts with his parents struggle and or, you know, the Van Halen brothers parents struggle because he was uh, their dad was a musician who sort of didn't quite make it as big as he would have liked. And then them learning to play music. uh, Then that leads into the Van Halen brothers doing cover bands and uh, David Lee Rock being a rival cover band. A great episode would be david lee Roth's power play to get into the band which was essentially that he um you know they weren't really very vocal oriented eddie was singing and they were mostly for musicians and eddie just kind of screamed and didn't really do a good job about it but they had went as far as they can go with that and they realized they needed a singer and they needed a pa david lee roth had already tried out for him twice and they said fuck no nah, because at that point he was kind of a shitty singer. Um, so basically, he weaseled his way into the band by letting them borrow a PA that he owned under the, uh, under the guys that, well, I, I'll get up and sing a couple songs at the show. Hmm. And basically, he just kept showing up and kept doing that till he was in the band. One of rock and roll's great power plays, you know, to, that really paid off for him in spades. You know, again, there'd be escalations to the uh, to the giant backyard parties that they do in the 70s that basically turn into riots and shit. I just think it could make a really good series. As far as casting, it's hard to do because everybody who would need to be in this would need to be like 14 right now. Yeah. So, uh So I I don't know about casting, but that's basically all I'll say on that one. You you don't want to go back to Googling hot young people again, Hurt? I I, I really don't. That (laughs) always comes comes from my problem. I don't know anything about any hot young people after about 1999. And I'm, and you know, all those people are old and saggy now. So, you know, so I, I, there's no way for me to do it without getting
1: on a watch list. Correct. I completely understand.
0: I love it. I knew you were going to go Van Halen. I did not right. specifically because of it, because there is a band that I think we all know that I would probably go to. And that's Led Zeppelin. And that's my <laughs> next one. Um, Specifically, it is a John Richard Baldwin biopic Uh, stage name. John Paul Jones, the basis for Led Zeppelin. Right. Um, because I think John's probably the most interesting person in the band. He is the... Oftentimes called the quietest member of Led Zeppelin. He's the one that I think there's probably the fewest stories about, though he would tell you... The whole band would tell you there was a lot of made-up shit about them. And he would right. tell you he did his fair share of the uh, sin and debauchery that the other members got into as well. But what I think is interesting about him is he grew up in a family of musicians. He was a producer before he was a part of the band and a studio musician. That's how he met Jimmy Page. Um, he is really there from the very beginning, him and Jimmy started the band together. And besides page and plant uh, pretty much has been involved with everything the band has done since then. Um, so it would be like a, one of these films where we see all the sin and debauchery and crazy and drug addiction. And, and in this case, it really does kind of lead to the band's downfall. But through the lens of the person who at least commonly is known as the least likely to do these things. So this person who is there for the whole life of the uh, group, but also the one who's just basically like watching John Bonham, um, you know, drink himself to death. And uh, I
1: feel like you're proposing almost a new version of the movie Almost Famous, but they're actually in the band.
0: That's a fair comparison. I didn't think about it when I was doing it, but that's actually very close. I mean,
1: I kind of like that.
0: Um a fan cast, I didn't think of the whole band. Oh, name Black Dog, because it's got a sick bass line in that song. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Uh I did say if I if I did think if they were making a Zeppelin bi- a biopic from Bonham's perspective when the levee breaks, because the drum set part in that song is sick. But fan cast Andrew Garfield
1: as John <laughs> Paul Jones.
0: That, I'm into that. I yep. like
1: that a lot. Um, well,
0: that's that's my Zeppelin pick.
2: I'm I'm really into that specifically from it being from the viewpoint of, of John Paul Jones. Cause if it's, it's from the viewpoint of, of pager plant, it, you know, those guys really believe in themselves.
0: It's too much about them as individuals, not about the right. band.
2: Right. And, and if it's about Bonham, then it becomes a tragedy, but having it, in, it's almost like being from an outsider who's on the inside and, and man, would I, uh, and his book does, uh, how does he take the page and plant thing? I've never read his book.
0: Yeah. Not great. (laughs) He he took some personal offense to it. Um, He
2: should. It was, it was a personal diss.
0: Yeah. He, uh, he, uh, the only like quote I ever remember about it is him just basically being like, I was never asked, you know. It was assumed that I did not want to be a part, and that was completely not true. And this is like his like political, uh, yeah. you know, PC answer is uh, I was never asked, and they didn't want me a part, and I would have done it had someone asked. But no. So besides that, he was, you know, he's done everything they have done when they played with um, right. Bonham Jr. and Phil Collins. He did both of those three unions. Right. That's it. Cool.
1: So her, you don't have I, another musical one, correct? Yeah, I thought it was your turn. It is my turn, but I'm, I'm, before I get into it, I'm just surprised. I, like, I fully expected someone to pitch a Prince biopic because it's coming. You know, okay. It's coming whether we want it to or Too not. Too soon. No, it's not. Is about- <laughs> Prince is
2: the most interesting thing about Prince. The only way a Prince biopic would be a Prince documentary would be more interesting than a Prince yeah, biopic. Yeah, for sure. The that's fair. Stories about Prince are way more interesting than trying to view Prince as a person.
1: I hope somebody you know? makes that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I completely agree.
2: You know, the, the, like the story about him, you know, breaking the black eyed Peas guy's guitar and shit like that. That's just, that's way more interesting than trying to get inside of, prince's had as to why he would have broken the black Eyed to guys right that sort of shit so um yeah you know i mean i had i had a that was one i thought of but i was like i'm just more interested in not knowing that and i i had a few like punk rock bands but i realized i was just going to be talking to myself so yeah that so that's why i sort of limited myself on music
1: my pick for the second one this is probably my second most complete one which is your fall dad movie for, you know, whenever that comes back to round to be a thing. I think it should right. be a, a biopic about Paul Newman uh, oh, yeah. and spe- specifically Paul Newman uh getting into auto racing after already being a movie star.
2: Man, that would be great because he took that shit really seriously.
1: I know. I, I was reading up on it and apparently he drove that the 24 hours at Le Mans, the one that, that yeah. the I didn't fucking know that. Uh So I don't know. I kind of I mean, I want to see it like his kind of uh, general rise, that kind of stuff, but specifically that portion where he like kind of sneaks into it. And I like to imagine that all of his Hollywood people like making fun of him and giving him a fucking hard time. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm serious. I want to like, I really want to race. Uh, and then, you know, he gets good at it and, you know, you get the story. But uh, uh, I think it would be fun for the whole family. And yeah, your dad would really love it.
2: Right, right, I uh, love not, that. Not, not yeah. either
1: of your dads specifically, just all dads. <laughs> right,
2: right. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they need to do that shit soon because the generation that's going to be interested in that will be dead in fifteen years.
1: That's true. Uh, so the the people that I came up with and I, I haven't gotten a perfect fit. My first thought was uh, Robert Pattinson. The problem mm. with all the problem yep. with all the people these days is all the, the 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 like handsome guys with square jaws are too fucking muscly. It just. You know, you yeah. can't put fucking Henry Cavill in as, as Paul Newman because he's just gonna like right. he's gonna look stupid. Uh, so Pattinson was my first choice, just like a general looks, frame kind of thing. As far as like bringing the right energy to it, uh, I like John Hamm. Yeah, uh, even if he might be a little old at this point. But I'll tell you, this is the one time I'm ever gonna say this because I don't think that he was a particularly good actor, but the one person who would actually be perfect for this fucking role was Paul Walker. Yeah, he yeah. would have been
0: great. Yeah. That is
1: true, yeah. R.I.P. Paul Walker, you missed your yeah. your one good movie that you could have done.
0: I still think Pattinson's a real great choice because I think he kind of looks like young Paul Newman in a I way. Think so. and-
1: I think so too. I just don't think he's got like that that easy charisma, you know, like yes. that, that really like yeah. loose but that's, that's more of the John Hammy thing that I was going for. But that's my second choice.
0: I like that a lot.
1: So for my second choice, I was going to go comic books. And the easy
2: choice would be, for me would have been Kirby, particularly since I'm reading a Kirby biocomic right now. But as I was doing it, I was like, you can't really do this right because you would need the rights to, so, to use so much Marvel and DC material while shitting on those companies. So there's yeah. no way you could ever do that biopic right. Uh, so I think what would be a, make a great biopic is something about the inception
1: of Image Comics,
2: about basically the seven artists who left Marvel all at once to form <laughs> Image Comics.
1: See, I feel like you're okay. on the right track here, Hurt, because things that I, I like in a biopic... Are not necessarily ones that are just about one person, though. It is helpful to have like a singular singular point, you know, of reference for the for the audience. But I like ones where it's about one person, but it's really about like just this specific chunk of time and like the culture that was going on right then. So I really like this premise,
2: right? And 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 it's one of those things that it kind of works, even though it's about this time, it kind of works in viewing other things because these guys really, like when they left, it was so. I mean, first of all, they left at the time that they were they were the biggest comic book stars on earth, and they had sort of started to become bigger stars than the characters themselves. Uh, an idea of how big they were at this time: Rob Liefeld starred in a Levi's commercial directed by Spike Lee. <laughs> and I mean, you know that that that's that sounds crazy. like Mad Libs, right? <laughs> and um, and right at that height, they were basically all ha- unhappy with. The share they were getting from Marvel and basically, you know, uh, how they were being treated. And so they gave them an ultimatum. Marvel said no. And they all seven walked at once. And it was pretty fucking beautiful. Like, you know, like Marvel had to like, you know, just run around, scramble to 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 even deal with this because they had created titles for these guys. And then they go, and their initial launches are these huge successes, selling millions of copies of of every issue. And then, as you want in a biopic, they just fuck it all up. (laughs) You know, they they you know arrogance and ego, and just immediately turning into the exact thing they were sort of running from. uh, You know, just basically turns it you know into crap. And, but it would be, it, I think it would have a good ending. It's, it's, it sort of has the same ending as the 10 commandments, you know, how, you know, Moses leads everybody through the, through the desert, but then he doesn't get to go in the end at the end. Cause he is an asshole. <laughs> the ending to that for the image seven is the walking death. Like, you know, the thing that they tried to start, they're not really, I don't know, really benefiting from right now, but they created the thing where those guys could become fucking millionaires and household names. Right. Um, so as for casting, uh, man, I knew Miles Teller is one of them. He's, he's, either, <laughs> he's either McFarlane or Liefeld. I think the casting on everybody else doesn't really matter. You know, like most of the other guys are just nice guys who were good comic artists. You know, Jim Lee is, you know, obviously the smartest businessman out of all of them. Uh, and the nicest dude, probably. But I, so, really, the casting for me only matters on McFarland and Whyfield, and I think probably Miles Teller on McFarland because he has just the right smarmy charm and kind of looks like him. And uh, what's the kid who played Han Solo's name? Alden Alden Ehrenreich. Actually, no, that's not. I don't think that's the one. I'm, maybe that's the one. I'm, that's the one I'm thinking. Are you about. thinking about but, Baby
1: Driver? Because they're also the same person
2: i am thinking of baby driver baby drivers because he has the same square head
1: and i don't I remember think he, that kid um uh, he's got an even he, dumber name i feel like but yeah um yeah that's my pitch for image comics i like it
0: i like that a whole lot that's a good one um are we doing a third one or no i well i i i'm pretty happy with my third one so Ansel Elgort.
1: Ansel way, fucking name. Elgort. What a fucking made up bullshit <laughs> well, name. Let's do one more
0: round. Let's All do right. one more round. All right. So this is the my least favorite one that I came up with because I feel like it's the most likely to be made. <clears throat> okay. So I just was thinking to myself... Kind of like you were talking about with Prince Joseph, like it's just inevitable that someone's going to do it, but I don't know that I want to see it. And then once I was on that train, I kind of wrote like a whole paragraph of shit I expect to see out of this movie. So (laughs) I'm going to pitch it anyway, which is the name of the movie is lame duck. uh, And it is the transition period between George W. Bush's presidency and Barack Obama's. Um, The reason why, George W. Bush, incredibly hated dude in America at that time. Barack Obama, incredibly well-loved dude during that time. Um, Bush was fairly active during his lame duck session. He passed a lot of bills that he claims anyway he that set Obama off on the right foot. It was the beginning of a lot of the bailouts we saw, um, stuff like that. So it would really be a look at these two men, and one of them coming to the end of basically his career one starting it as for the united states one of them hated one of them loved um just like a you know polar opposites um as for cast my dream cast though this would never happen would be will farrell and will smith because i think That's both right. are both are connected with each individual role so much already Damn, uh, yeah. will farrell could like do an actual serious take on W, and everyone has already fan cast Will Smith into the eventual Barack Obama biopic anyway. However, the cast that I think that would do really really well is Chiwetel Ejiofor or however Joseph says it. Better than that, and, and Martin Freeman.
1: All right. I could get
2: into that. Martin Freeman, actually, I'd never thought I like, of that. I like you're that you're shipping
0: all of our American jobs
1: overseas, you <laughs> son of a
0: bitch. <laughs> yep. British people are better. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know what you want me to say.
2: Yeah.
1: He really looks like Bush. I'd never thought of that. Yep. I, but that's I, my own. I proposed the title for this as The Two Popes Two Colon but in america two presidents <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah two popes is, is exactly what it would be i had forgot that movie existed because i did not enjoy it but it is two popes it would be that movie
1: yeah <laughs> right i like it uh so i got a couple more that that i might just save for later because really what i, I was kind of curious in in thinking about this whole process and all of the biopics that we've we've scene and biographies that uh, you know, like famous biographies, like what's that guy, Ron Chernow, the guy that did Hamilton and Grant and all these kind of things. Mm, uh, yeah, is the thing about a lot of these biographies uh, or biopics is that they kind of become the definitive story of this person's life, and so I'm kind of interested in the idea of like a meta biopic, where it's a like a biography or you know a story about the biographer. Mm. Uh, kind of uncovering the details of this person's life, you know, kind of, again, like the the deep dive, like a Ron Chernow type, where you're uncovering shit that no one's ever seen before to present, you know, this story of whoever this person's life is. But then, you know, you also get to choose what to put in, what not to put in, and how to frame the stuff that you choose to put in, how you frame to put the stuff that you don't put in. Uh, So you really are getting the opportunity to shape both, like, public perception of this person and also public perception of kind of the success or failure of this person's values and lifestyle which is a lot of the times what what you know really biopics and and biographies are about you read about somebody because you hate them and you want to find out why you hate them or you love them and you want to find out why they were great and so i, I just kind of like the idea especially you know now we we've we've realized i'd say in the last 5 to 10 years that rock solid Factual information can be spun in a lot of different ways and told right. a lot of different ways where it's not technically necessarily untrue, but it's not necessarily representing, you know, the on paper stuff. So I kind of like the idea of, of a biographer kind of coming to grips with, you know, realizing there's a weight to what he's doing and what he's choosing to do and not do. And this, I think, would particularly work for somebody that they were like wanted. I couldn't think of somebody in recent memory. Like I was the closest person I could think of was like Andrew Jackson. But uh where you like think that they're a really great person and then as you continue to dig and uncover more things you start to find out that they're kind of a really shitty person. Right. Uh so I just kinda like that transition of like admiration to like weighty guilt almost. So anyway, that's that's just kind of my idea. If there was somebody to direct it, I don't have any I don't have a person for it as either biographer or uh the subject. But I feel like it should be Ryan Johnson because meta meta movies are kind of his thing. Right. I dig it. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's funny. I,
2: I, I was trying to think of something similar, but I couldn't I couldn't think of a person to be about. But I was really trying to think of a biopic you could do about someone who got left out of a biopic. Right, like yeah, 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 yeah. someone who was erased by becoming like a composite character or something of that nature. But I, could, I couldn't think of an example, so I didn't go for that. Uh, so my last one is actually someone who's already had a biopic about I would like to see a movie about Henry Hill after Goodfellas. Oh, no, I I think that's, I think that's super a great idea. Have have you ever read about the shit he got into after he was in the witness protection program? I know about some of it. I know it's fucking nuts. It's easily as crazy as the movie. He, you know, he has like multiple affairs you know, goes back to selling drugs multiple times. The witness protection program has to move him multiple times. So finally they get him to one spot and they're like, look, if you flame out here, you're done. We're not taking care of you anymore. So, you know, he immediately starts having another affair. And the girl that he's having an affair with is a hairdresser who befriends another girl who she doesn't know is an undercover investigator working for a lawyer working for the mob i mean that sounds like a great movie already it sounds like a great fucking movie right so i mean i don't i honestly don't know how this isn't already in development can it uh, still be ray liotta i see i don't know i'm not sure the time frame of when this happened if yeah, he would be he's too he's pretty, old or not
1: he's looking I, I mean not that he was ever like super handsome but he's looking pretty ragged these days i you know i'd be fine with him still doing it but uh
2: if he didn't do it, you know who I think might be a good fit? Uh, you know, I mean, and specifically trying to have a Ray Liotta vibe. Killian Murphy. All right.
1: I dig it. You I know, dig know, I got it. a man crush on Killian Murphy. I'll put him in anything. Well, they have very
2: similar hyper blue, but somehow dead eyes. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, that that's my third one. I love it. I feel like we came up with some pretty solid stuff, guys. This is, I think, one of our, or our more actual thought out episodes. At least it yeah. felt like it for me.
0: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed all of these I would watch.
1: I would watch all of these also. That's great. Well, cool, guys. I think that's it for uh, our biopic pitches. Uh, if anybody listening out there has other great ideas for biopics, I'm sure there are plenty of other people we didn't cover. Uh, send them to us at realphones@gmail.com. We'd love to talk about them. Uh, in the meantime, what have we been watching this past week, guys?
0: I guess we're starting with Mandalorian Season 3. As that's all of our correct. episodes are Ep- Episode season, 3. Se- season yeah. 2, Episode 3 uh as mon all calamari, our episode- right is this mon yeah calamari? mon Calamar. Yeah. we're not we're not on mon calamar oh, but there not- are mon calamari oh i yeah.
1: thought it was on mon calamar
0: no that makes there- me sadder it does kind of trick you because there are both curans and mon calamari which are the two residents of that planet um right. but i don't believe it is on mon calamar no bummer so Mando takes his passenger to the planet that he was supposed to go to where he would find Mandalorians and uh, gets roped into a another side quest, but this one with a little more uh, long-lasting effects. Uh, I would say this is all spoilers because it's hard to talk about yeah this is a about first spoiler There's no episode. way to
2: talk about a second of this that isn't spoilers.
0: Guys, I fucking love this episode. This may be my favorite episode of the show.
1: <laughs> I, I was thinking about you the whole time I watched this. Man, I knew you were I, loving it. If, if the
2: last one was all filler this one was all killer
0: yeah god i loved every second of it because even yeah. right off the bat talking about um the mon calamari bit and stuff like that this this episode is an episode of clone wars in live action <laughs> totally yeah no it is. absolutely is <laughs> not just because bo katan is in it but this is absolutely a plot and characters and side quests everything that we would have seen in a clone wars episode brought to life hey and props to bryce dallas howard she fucking knocks it out of the park
2: yeah yeah totally getting on that ship and getting stuff off that is totally a clone wars rebel type plot it's it's every episode of rebels
0: (laughs) oh you're right it is for sure what did you guys think
2: oh man i fucking loved this one this one was great let me let me tell you what they they have really learned in the second year of this that that they've realized that you know the money is baby yoda so anytime you put baby yoda in in the danger there is emotion and there are stakes like you know when those evil fish guys push the fucking uh baby Yoda into the Kraken like me and Sarah were both up out of our seats like we could not handle that shit
0: yeah that's you're dead on
2: but yeah you know uh I mean of course Bo-Katan showing up was fucking great like we've been waiting for someone from another Dave Filoni show to show up and you know like really play a part and man that was that was the correct one to get the ball rolling
0: yeah yeah no and and bringing Katie Sackhoff back um you know she voiced that character I think she may be a little young to be playing Bo-Katan post uh empire but I'm not gonna sweat it um yep. and you know the other two Sasha Banks and that Italian it guy that far from off, is it? uh I think the timeline would be like Bo-Katan would be in her mid-50s and I think Katie Sackhoff like just turned 40
1: yeah
0: um uh, right. So it's not like super far off, but yeah. um, you know I don't know, maybe Mandalorians age differently because she was kicking a lot of ass. <laughs> yeah. um, the,
1: the helmets really uh, protect the skin.
0: Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They do a number, um, but you know, the other two Mandalorian, I thought they were pretty good. I was nervous about Sasha Banks in this and I thought she was fine. Um, but what really sold it for me is I just think there's like that hallway fight scene man, that was great. Being back yeah. inside an Imperial ship and seeing them killing stormtroopers and, like, I don't know, it just felt like what I imagined Mandalorians killing stormtroopers in real life would look like. And uh, yeah, it just, it scratched the itch for me. I also really like
1: starting to, like, peel back the curtain on kind of Mando's perception of, you know, his identity and the Mandalorian the culture and, like, actual Mandalorian culture, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, right. so I, I, honestly, I think it's a for me, I think it's a little too early to jump down that road, but I don't know. I, I still like that. Like he's lived his whole life thinking this one thing and this was the, it was the way, uh, and now he's being confronted with, Oh shit. Maybe, maybe somebody lied to me. <laughs> right.
0: right. There've been a lot of tweets of like after the first season of Mandalorian of people being like, you know, imaginary scene of him meeting, bo-katan and her being like boat boy take that fucking mask off like (laughs) and that's basically what we got it is exactly Uh, what we got and it you know again it just works so well i did want to say did you guys catch the apollo 13 easter egg in this
1: no no
0: so the razor crest falling through the sky is the exact same order of shots as the lunar capsule uh, or the return <laughs> module following an Apollo 13. It's the underneath with the flames, it's the inside with the water dripping, the condensation, mm-hmm. and then it's like the aerial shot of it breaking through the clouds. It's the exact same order of shots. That's she did funny. it on purpose.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was say, I wonder what inspired her to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh,
2: yeah I, you know, another good thing about the show is that, you know, where it's Star Wars, they can get some. Pretty, you know, high dollar uh, people to play bit parts. You know, uh, Titus Welver's been in a lot of cool shit, and he was basically just an Amer- Imperial guy for like four minutes in this show. It Man, was,
0: he's uh, who didn't cast that guy as an Imperial officer before? He's right? a per- that's perfect <laughs> casting.
2: Totally. That guy has a neck just waiting to be choked by Darth Vader. <laughs>
0: 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say, Prediction We will not get Ahsoka this week. I think it's too no, weeks no, out.
1: I don't think so either. Yeah. yeah,
0: Dave Filoni directed episode five. It was the only like announcement of who directed what episode before the season started, mm-hmm. and uh, that he's got to be the one to bring Ahsoka to live action. Like, it, it, I, I just it only seems yeah. right, yeah, but, but yes. Uh,
2: and you know that was a that was a that was a great ending. I didn't think they would give us the whole thing. I was thought you will find a Jedi there, but when they straight up said her name, that was a that was a good cheering moment.
0: Yeah, I'm, I was kind of upset about it when I first saw it. Cause I've watched it twice. I was kind of upset the first time I watched it because I was like, "Well, that just like ruins the surprise." But number one, we all knew it, it's coming. And two, right. they've done so much of you go here and you will find the kind of people you've looked for. And we finally have someone be like, this is who you're looking for. This is their name. This is where right. they're at. <laughs> and uh, I think it's the same bit, but presented in a new package. And, and I do appreciate it for that.
1: Fair enough. What else have you been watching this week, Christian?
0: oh i will start off with i have been playing a crap ton of tony hawk pro skater one and two uh the remaster it's so much fun i have wasted hours just (laughs) like in free skate it and it's just a blast it's amazing to me that i mean it has no purpose whatsoever you just do tricks and then you unlock new levels and you do tricks on those levels and that's all you do (laughs) for but i'll do it for four hours um And it's a great time. I started reading the Witcher series. I read The Last Wish. And pretty good I think it's a that's the first book you should read about the witcher if you're going to if you're going to read the witcher series it wasn't the first book written um but it's it's a kind of like a collection of stories um really introduces you into the world and the characters and uh I like it it's better than the show uh I did enjoy the show after trying it like three times but um I the book I was basically instantly into and finally I watched dc's titans on uh, hbo max and look that show is young justice presented in the makeup of batman versus superman and that is what it is i mean i think that's what it's presented itself as and that's what it is but it is better than i have given it credit for um it's i think the actors are all well chosen for their perspective parts Um, I think the world is fairly interesting I think they've given us uh, the best interpretation of some of the for example I would rather watch Britain Thwait or whatever his name is the kid who plays Robin or Nightwing and the chick who plays Donna Troy. I'd rather watch them to have a moment of dialogue than Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. Like I just, <laughs> you made me choose between that show and Batman versus Superman and justice league. I'm probably taking Titans. Having said that it steals a lot from teen Titans and young justice. Obviously it's those characters, but I think even at one point they say a line of like a sidekick's got to stick together. And that's like the entire first season of young justice. Right. Um Deathstroke is the villain in the second season and him and Robin kind of have this secret that they hide from everybody else. That feels like the entirety of Teen Titans. But you know what? I appreciate a thing when it knows what it is. And there's a there's a moment in the second season where Deathstroke murders a guy and a Nickelback song is playing in the background. And that's <laughs> what that show is. And props <laughs> to them for being true to it.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: I'd say it's worth a shot if you got Oh, one weird thing is the the first episode of the second season is absolutely the season finale of the first season. They just didn't know who they were going to cast as Deathstroke in it. Hmm. 100% they had that script written and were like, well, we don't know who to cast, so we'll just push that off to the next season. Because it it is both the the, uh, end of the plot of the first season and the start of the plot of the second season in one episode. And it would have been a great cliffhanger but I just don't think they had all the parts cast and everything yet. But, again, I think it's worth a shot. Are you going to do Doom Patrol? I will do Doom Patrol. Uh, I, I wanted to start with that one since it was on HBO Max first. But I, know they're introdu- I knew they were introduced on Titans, so I figured I would wait for Titans. And, and now that I'm through it, I will do Doom Patrol. Why not? Um, well, uh, you know, because we uh, did time travel
2: movies last week, I watched the uh snake time travel episode of Rick and Morty, and I've decided that's my favorite episode. It's of one of the Rick. best for sure. It's sh- really
0: good. I
2: tell you, I tell you what cinches it for me as being the best. During the whole like snake, you know, only scene where everything's communicated and hisses. There's the one scene where someone warns Snake Abraham Lincoln he's about to be shot, and he opens the note and it's just a series of episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've watched that episode five times and I lose my shit every time. That's a really great joke. And and I I often say anticipation is the enemy of comedy. But for that particular one, it's gotten to the point now where just when I know the joke is coming, I start laughing before it even gets there. Mm -hmm. So I'm, uh, you know, way better than Transformers on that. Um, Also, uh, I I finished uh, The Boys season two. Do we have a ruling on this? Can I vote something as being both better and worse than Transformers? Uh, if you can justify it, then sure. Uh, performance-wise, everybody's really great in that show. And anytime that show is about just the banana shit that would happen if people with superpowers were interacting with the real world, it's great. Anytime they try to use this as a metaphor to take on real world problems, it's fucking ridiculous. I said this when I talked about the Umbrella Academy that, you know, uh, that, you know, Watchmen has already done racial justice as a superhero show. They've done it better than anyone else is going to do it. Let's just stop. Umbrella Academy's attempt at it was cute. This (laughs) attempt at it was just embarrassing. Hmm. It just, you know, it was like, it was like, oh man, this is, this is, uh, this is this is a bummer, uh, but uh, but you know I mean overall it's a fun show. That there's one actually there's one really bad part I want to talk about. There's a part where you know a big part of this season is that supervillains have started to appear, and uh, they hadn't really existed before that. It was just superheroes w- versus regular criminals. And uh, there's one part where there's an active shooter video that they're showing on high school class, but instead it's about superheroes maybe attacking your school and it's just one of the dumbest worst things i've ever seen in my life so so yeah i I like this show but it could be better
1: both better and worse than transformers yes fair enough anything else no that's it all right uh this week was actually our last official uh ghibli film for the wife and i who watched uh, From Up on Poppy Hill, which is also directed by Goro Miyazaki, who is Hayao Miyazaki's son, uh, directed Tales of Earthsea also. It's fun. I don't Again, I don't know why his movies get so much hate. It's uh, it's not as, like, fantastical uh, as some of the other ones. It's just kind of a high school romance. Uh, it does dig into Hang-On, I should preface. If anyone listens to this this far in the episode and is interested in these movies, this is probably the only spoiler I've ever had for a Ghibli film. Uh but spoiler for this one, uh, it does delve into a, uh, uh, an anime trope that I wasn't expecting a Ghibli film to get into, but they did. It's incest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you spend, uh, it's, again, it's a high school romance and you spend about half of it really nervous about how it's going to end. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a happy ending So it's all okay in the end But yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty good it's, it's, it's surprisingly engaging It's 90 minutes, which as I've mentioned before Is the perfect length for a movie uh, And despite the fact that it really only has two plot lines It's like really, really snappy pacing uh, So it's just a really breezy watch At the urging of our friend Zach Evans I went back to watch an anime called Gurren Lagan. Uh, which is a mech anime made by the same people who make Kill a Kill, which is one of my favorite animes of all time. I started it and I didn't really like it. Zach told me to stick with it and it was going to get better and it did and then it got worse again. So it's kind of <laughs> this weird, it's kind of this weird bell curve of a of an anime for me. Uh, sorry Zach, I didn't enjoy it as much as, as you did. It's it's not bad. The middle bit is pretty good uh, but I think, I think the first like nine episodes are not very good and the last like seven episodes are not very good and there's 27 so that's like 10 good ones so you know slightly worse ratio than clone wars for me and then the last thing uh, i don't know if you uh, you probably haven't caught up hurt but ian texted us last night about how good uh episode nine of fargo was uh, right for season four so I, i meant to come down on exactly what i don't like about this season I just mentioned I don't like Chris Rock. I don't like the the character he was written to play to begin with, and I don't really like the way that he's playing it. Um, I don't like the Italian brother, which I'm assuming you've met at this point, Hurt.
2: Yes, yes, I've met the Italian brother. He is really dislikable.
1: Well, one, because he's a a very obviously Hispanic man playing a very Italian man. Right. Um, And two, it's just just, not that far uh cohen movies don't have over the top villains but he's just i don't know like it, it just feels it doesn't feel right it feels very hammy in the bad way uh right. and, and i just don't enjoy any time that he's on screen and three i think when they when they said at the beginning of the series that it was going to be based on the the uh new gods uh apocalypse thing i think you're thinking of the good parts of that story but the thing about that story, and I, you know, I could be wrong about this. I haven't read a lot of comic books. This is just from me watching a bunch of DC animated shit over the last, you know, 20 years. But like the interesting part about that feud isn't really like the all, is it all father, right? That's the new, uh, right. the, yeah. New Genesis guy, the all father versus uh, dark side, you know, dynamic. I don't really give a fuck about that. The interesting part of that dynamic is the sun swap and like how the suns grew up in those environments, Totally. Absolutely. And so to not take that angle is, I think, like just willfully ignoring the most interesting part of the story that you're intentionally adapting. Uh, I feel like we definitely should have been spending time, like the boys should have spent several years in these households uh, of people that they were up to the point that they were living there uh, were raised to believe were, you know, uh, immoral animals that couldn't even come up with the idea of morals kind of thing. Right. Uh, and then to see how they would develop in those environments, and then you know interact with each other. Uh, but that's not the angle they go with. They, they've you know they just recently switched sons, and you know it really is about All Father versus Dark Side, if there is such right. a thing in this series. So all that right. shit is boring as fuck to me, and I don't like I don't like the, any of those things. <coughs> uh, all that said, Episode Nine has none of the things I don't like. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and you know. Props to it, it is really fucking good. If they do such an... I'm not going to spoil it for Hurt. Uh, if you haven't watched good. the season, I'm still not going to say that it's the best one, but definitely episode nine is the best episode of the series by a long shot. And it's, oh, just, it's amazing to me how many things that they can, they can homage and reference without it feeling like obnoxious. Like right, it, it, right. It, it gives you like it gives you like that the warm fuzzies of like i kind of i like recognize it and it's cool that it's here but it doesn't feel like they're using it as a crutch for their storytelling uh it's right. it's it's a really 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 well crafted i mean show as a whole but uh that episode is really really good uh so i can't wait for you to watch her and that's it for me
2: no I, I gotta i gotta get down on that shit because yeah i haven't watched any more of it but i need to
1: yeah uh but i think that's it for this week i don't think we have a plan for next week again
0: no all right thanksgiving movies no, we I'm did
1: a, god is there such a thing i'm oh, sure there god. is on a hallmark channel uh you know Ideo i was gonna pitch for you best
2: pilot episodes oh it's lost bro i mean episode i know over. it's going to be lost but you don't say that now you say that at the end of the episode about pilots well,
1: actually let's do let's do uh best pilots and best shows that had the worst pilots okay 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 (laughs) obviously you have something in mind for that so there are are a lot of shows i think that have really bad pilots that turn into good shows right a lot
0: of anime for sure for (laughs) sure anime. but i mean a lot
1: lot, i think even a lot of like uh of our you know beloved sitcom comedies have uh have i think bad pilots right so all right yeah let's do that i like that pilot episodes best and worst of best or best of i
0: don't know have we not done this before? I just want to say, cause I feel like I've researched pilot episodes before, but maybe we did episode. do this before. No,
1: I don't think so. We did hundredth we... episodes of show. Oh,
0: we did hundredth, 100th... Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that next week. That sounds fun. Uh, so yeah, join us next week for that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, word of mouth is really the only way that, that, uh, you know, we can get any new listeners. If you have any other suggestions on uh, biopics that you'd like to see or pilot episodes that you'd want us to talk about, uh, you can reach us at realphonies.gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies, Phonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later.
0: Later.